Hello and welcome to episode 60 of the Inside Ellen Road podcast, coming to you from the Yorkshire Evening Post with me, Phil Hay, and Joe Elkett, who has kindly given up his living room for today. Uh, although, we should be out in the sunshine really, shouldn't we? Be 25 degrees weather. outside. Should be, should be at the peacock. We should be. With a live audience. Although, is everyone's too nervous, aren't they, to, to be doing that? I think how many pints they get through. <laughs> yeah, Drink, drinking weather like this and with playoff semi-final tomorrow, yeah. Ten pints in an hour. Yeah, well. Yeah. Unfortunately, not for us. <laughs> ah, well, not for us, but um, people can save that for tomorrow night when I oh, think absolutely. it is. It is a definite drinking occasion. That one, I think. It would be good to have one to settle the nerves. To be Without honest. a doubt, absolutely. yeah, we might need it. We might need it. Um, one nil up after the first leg. Uh, away at Pride Park on Saturday, and back to Ellen Road now tomorrow night for the second leg of what looks really to be like a semi-final, which is at the moment very much in in Leeds United's hands. Convincing performance down at Pride Park, third time this season really that we've seen Leeds. Seen Leeds with Derby's number, seen them find the measure of them and, and, and outplay them pretty comprehensively. Um, the scoreline hasn't really settled anything, has it? It's, it's still very much there to play for. And, and we were up at press conference with um, Marcelo Bielsa and Liam Cooper yesterday and they were both trying as hard as they could to, to stress that. There is a kind of underlying feeling, isn't there, that, that Leeds have got this and that they, like I say, they, they've got the measure of, of Derby and that this might be this might be there for the taking. But, but they... They tried to they tried to paint a, a different picture of this and didn't want to be um, presumptuous at all. But just give us some reflections on on the game at Derby, which I think a lot of us were feeling a little tense about beforehand. But actually, when it got going, it was like watching Leeds at the at the peak this season. Yeah, it felt like the longest day ever, didn't it? Having this sit around and wait until setting off to go down there, and then when you get there, you still got another three hours to <laughs> kick off. Sat twiddling our thumbs, waiting for him to come out. But as soon as the ball got kicked, Leeds were in complete control. I thought and. Sort of something maybe that we're all quite nervous about going into the game, given the Ipswich performance. But they completely dominated, I thought, barring maybe the first five minutes where Derby had, had their tails up understandably. But they, they kept the, the Pride Park crowd really quiet, I thought, and never really allowed them to get sort of comfortable in the game. Every time Derby were kicking the ball away, it was coming straight back. Cooper and Barai were recycling it. And a little unlucky not to get sort of maybe one before half-time without really testing the goal, but... Never really looked like any 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 trouble, and a fully deserved victory. And, and what a goal from Roof it was! We were talking beforehand about what Lampard Lampard would change or, or what he might change in this game, because in in both of the previous league games in August at Pride Park and January at Ellen Road, there were there were definite issues for him with ball retention. There were issues um, with the amount of space that Derby were giving up in midfield. There, there was in in both games there were issues with the. The gap that was developing between his front three, which is such a fundamental part of his team, and, and the midfield behind it, and it didn't feel on Saturday like anything had changed at all. It didn't feel like there was much in the way of a of a tweak to the system or or a, a tweak to the strategy. And I I was left midway through the first half. I remember about ten minutes before half time, we were sat we were sat there, and and I was sort of saying that Lampard was kind of stood watching. Stood watching, doing nothing, saying nothing, not really giving any direction, despite the fact that Derby were, were backpedalling uh, and, and were struggling to get themselves on the ball. And it kind of left me wondering on Saturday whether there was any more strategy for Derby than to score an early goal and to light up that crowd down there, which was a capacity crowd and was, you know, it was a decent atmosphere before kickoff, but it was a little bit like like pricking a, a balloon um, once once they started to get into the rhythm and, and started to get a, a grip of the game. And 
Tactically, strange afternoon for Derby, I thought. There didn't seem to be any answer at all. And, and once Berardi got that sliding blocking on Nugent, you know, five, ten minutes into the game, that one occasion where I think Wilson played Nugent in behind and you were looking for, you know, Derby were looking for a finish across Casilla into the far corner. Berardi got across to send it behind for a corner. It it didn't feel like there was there was any more to their their tactical approach than that. No, well, it was weird, wasn't it? Because like you say, the press box obviously gives us quite a good view of, at Pride Park and... There was an occasion where, sort of just halfway through it, during the first half, when, when Derby were sort of getting really pegged back in their own half, where, you're right, Lampard was just sort of stood with hands in pockets, Jody Morris was just sat slumped on the bench, here we go again sort of attitude, and like you say, that's when you're looking for someone, especially a manager, to sort of spark something, maybe make a tactical change, or just try and get some relief from somewhere, and, I, and obviously you talked a lot about Waghorn being vitally important to that that system, but I'm really not sure that he would have changed too much in that that game if he just went like for like with Nugent. I don't think I think he maybe would have had a bit more success in holding the ball up, but that's probably it. And like you say, there wasn't really much in the terms of a different tactical approach. When we we were obviously sat talking last week and thought maybe he'll he'll try and stifle leads, and but there was just nothing, was there? And and sort of maybe slightly let down by performances of players that. We were thinking might produce some big performances. Harry Wilson didn't really have much of a much of a shout. I mean, David Nugent, as obviously like you said last week, hasn't scored in twenty five odd games, or whatever. But yeah, just a bit perplexed by him, and bit he looked a bit perplexed to be honest, didn't he? So he he I think was reflected of of the crowd who almost started to realise that Leeds were doing it again. You know, mm. it was it was this this team who who turned them over twice and done it quite comfortably. That. The sort of frantic first 10 minutes almost seemed to, to suit Derby more than it did Leeds, but they were very good, I thought, Bielsa's players had taken the sting out of that. And once they started to, to find their rhythm, it was quite metronomic. It was it was very patient. It was very it was very structured. It was very convincing, to be honest. Again, without the goals, and, and that, you know, there's very little point in, in losing sleep over that now because that's just the way it is, and it's far too late in the season for that to suddenly suddenly click um, of its of its own accord but I felt with Nugent his issue was essentially that he was finding himself boxed in by Liam Cooper Brady and, and Calvin Phillips in front of him yeah. and, and with no space to move and, and certainly no support from the midfield and I, I said on Twitter at half time I wonder if Lampard might go for an extra centre mid here because they they barely touched it they haven't got any any territorial position they haven't got enough possession to do damage with but there was there was just no, nothing coming from that direction yeah well obviously we know with Leeds' attacking movements the idea is a lot of the time to pull out the opposition from from where they're supposed to be and Nugent was sort of a lot of the first half anyway was caught in between two positions he wasn't really up front and he wasn't really back in midfield Mm. he was obviously chasing the ball around so every time Darby were clearing the ball it was coming back to Cooper and Brady who had no pressure on them or if they did they were just nodding it down to to one or the other so it was a a sort of catch-22 for him I thought especially I thought Jamie Shackleton when he stepped up the bench that really sort of gave leads the impetus sort of that his darting runs in behind was dragging a lot of like Bradley Johnson out of position and people like that um, obviously Forshaw going off he lost a little bit maybe a little bit of sort of meat in that midfield but Shackleton sort of gave him that craft and it was a game not, sort of tailor really made for though, that. Do you? because Shackleton is so physically strong for yeah, his no. age he's always he's always been and he doesn't get bullied little, does he That's no a little yeah. bundle of little bundle of dynamite and you're right his runs from Runs from deep, Derby were finding difficult to to read, and that was that was something they didn't have in their team at all. I mean, one of one of the biggest, I think, 
perhaps the biggest credit Bielsa can take from the games against Derby is that over the season we've heard a lot said about Mason Mount we've heard a lot said about Harry Wilson uh, slightly less so about Tom Lawrence but again very good player on his day with with respect to Wilson and, and Mount I honestly couldn't tell you what they do or, or, or what it is that they bring to the party because in the games against Leeds I haven't seen them do anything I know Wilson missed the game at, um, at Ellen Road in, in January but again, on, on Saturday, Mount was almost a passenger in that. Not really through any fault of his own, but it, it was impossible for him to get into the game. And, and this player who Chelsea are talking about taking away on pre-season with them, and, and might well do, and obviously think the world of, um, has, has been made to look very, very average and very out of his depth by Bielsa's tactics and Bielsa's team, which I think says an awful lot about the way Leeds have played against Derby. Yeah, well, if you don't have the ball, you can't do much with it, can you, I suppose? <laughs> but, yeah, pretty. I mean, for all the build-up that we've heard of the two, it's probably Mount and Wilson in particular, given that they're from Chelsea and Liverpool and, and the money that they've either thinking about, talking about sort of being going for or, or that Derby have paid for in terms of getting them in on loan. You were sort of very disappointed. Those were the games where you're thinking these lads should be stepping up, but, again, did they have the ball enough to make an impact? Probably not. There was obviously one sort of little bit in the second half where I think Wilson had a free kick thought oh, this might be his moment but he just fired it into the wall didn't he and like you say a lot of sort of hands on hips and moaning at the referee in the second half from especially Wilson who was on our near side and just not no answer but you don't know whether that's sort of maybe coming from the management whether they didn't really have an answer or if it's just that they're not implementing any tactics but it sort of just felt like it filtered down from Lampard's attitude on the sideline really If you're Bielsa you're happy really aren't you that you're that the threat's coming to you from a free kick from 20 yards oh, yeah, that is yeah. potentially coming to you from a penalty that, that wasn't which obviously we'll, we'll go into but from open play there was nothing really to be worried about no shots on target at all from Derby and he's going to have to change things significantly you would think on Wednesday night Lampard if if for no other reason than to show that actually he does have some tactical nous and I mean we, we sat in his press conference afterwards and, and listened to him and you won't get in this sort of um I didn't expect him to be positive at the end of the game. I thought he'd be very disappointed with the way they played. But you want getting the kind of the the real sort of motivation that you'd be looking for midway through the uh, a, a two legged mm. tie. And he he kind of said if you know if we've got a couple of days now to turn around and if we pick things up then we might have a chance. And and at one 0 down in a Championship playoff semi final, you'd you'd expect a bit more optimism than that. You do wonder if Bielsa's got between his ears, don't you? Very much so. Second-guessing himself sort of about everything that's gone on before, the whole Spygate issue, as we know. But, yeah, it was, I mean, him going on about human VAR was the man of who's been a little bit rattled, didn't it? And, and maybe sort of trying to deflect off his shortcomings, potentially, in that 90 minutes. But, I mean, I, the way, however they set up tomorrow night, I think... For Leeds, it'll play into their hands. Um, if they come out all guns blazing, Leeds should hopefully be able to pick them off. Unless, obviously, like we say, they, they hit a wall again, like we we saw against Will, uh, Wigan and 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 Ipswich. So, not really sure what to what to expect from Derby. Really, like you say, they've got to come and put a performance on, not just for themselves, but for their fans. The fans are sort of sat at home, maybe slightly embarrassed by the whole thing. I mean, what was it three? Three victories, seven one on aggregate over the season. Not a shingle shot on target at home in the championship playoff semi final. Pretty embarrassing. <laughs> I think you're right about Lampard, though. I I kind of wonder if it will be the same system and the same approach tomorrow because I'm not sure he knows what to do mm. in these circumstances. And I, I imagine there's a, a an element of frustration for a, for someone who was as good as he was as a player and and is evidently 
is evidently going to have a go at making a good go of it in, in management that that tactically has been bested three times so convincingly. Uh, and it's not that he's had to hold his hands up after every single game and say, "Look, we've been completely outplayed," and that that was true after the Spygate game. You know, he, he, the the caveat before he got stuck into Spygate was, "Look, we we were second best tonight, and we we really didn't didn't get on the ball, didn't use it properly, didn't touch it enough." And true again on on Saturday, and you weren't getting that vision from him afterwards. Of, we can ch- we can change this, we can alter it, we can switch it around, and it doesn't look like Waghorn's going to be fit for them. He pulled up on on Friday in training, so didn't make Saturday's game, and I don't think we'll be will be ready. But if we're going to talk injuries, um, Bielsa's bench at Pride Park was almost unbelievable. I mean, the it it has the average age of it has been dropping and dropping and dropping down to around about nineteen. Um, it was very very young away at Ipswich. And at Pride Park, you had three players who've never kicked a ball first-team level for Leeds. You had Bogutz, you had Struick, um, you had Robbie Gotts as well. Combined with them, you've got Shackleton, um, who, as we always say, looks very rounded. And actually, I think you, you start to think of him as, as first-team quality now. And Jack Clark, who, who really has been on the drift in the main since, um, since he was taken ill at Middlesbrough. Not to mention Izzy Brown, who, again, on the bench... But like your mate Ashley Cole just cannot cannot get involved. Ashley can, Cole can't never get going. fit. <laughs> oh, he's who, he's got. He's, he's apparently he's in contention for for Wednesday. I can't imagine he'll play. No, who's more likely to score the winning goal at Wembley? Is he Brown or Ashley Cole? What is he Brown? Because at On least he's got lead. potential of being there. <laughs> <laughs> Not the look out in the chickens. No, I mean in terms of Ashley Cole, because he'll probably just be injured again. But again, I think it's telltale sign of where. Brown is and Bielsa is thinking because Whoa. there was the scope on yeah. Saturday to come away with a, a bigger lead and I did ask Bielsa that yesterday I said you know should you have come away with more than a, a 1-0 win and he said you know we had in, in, in a sort of Bielsa phrase we had attacking actions we had attacking <laughs> opportunities which I think is to say we had enough of the game to probably score more goals um, although there's no sign of any disappointment about that. I have to say, I, I get the feeling that he and Leeds are very satisfied with the way they played, very satisfied with the result and the fact that they've they've gone through the away leg. They've they've dealt with that and they've dealt with it well and are in a very, very strong position in, in front of their own crowd. And and I think they're right to be right to be happy at this stage. No, yeah, absolutely, because we weren't really, like we just said before, we weren't really sure what to expect when we turned up there. And like you say, it was like one back the clock to what was it, August, September time when, when they rolled some really good sides in division over. Um so yeah, I mean going back to Izzy Brown, I think it says a lot that Shackleton comes on after twenty five minutes for sure instead of him, doesn't it? That that that's just where he is in the squad at the moment in time. I guess it, because of the injuries, that's probably the only reason he's on the bench, which which speaks volumes, doesn't it, of of what Bielsa thinks, uh, um, whether it's the fact that he rates Shackleton so highly or Brown low, I d- I, it's probably a mixture of both, really. Um, I think he probably is. Still set up, though, isn't it, for Izzy to pop up at the back well, post at Wembley, I mean, 90th minute? You've said it all season. <laughs> I have. It's going to be it's gonna be the goal, his only goal. If I've said it, then it's not going to happen. <laughs> Although you did, yeah, you did say Nugent would score on Saturday, which he didn't. Um, no, I attempted, attempted fate, didn't I? Yeah, um, but I got away with that one, fortunately. Well, Richard Keown thought Derby were worth a point, not a point, but a draw. You know what I mean? I don't see, I don't see the argument there at no, all. I don't well, see that they were. If you don't have a shot on target, then. And even really. even aside from the the efforts on goal, you know, Leeds, Leeds have gone through various games where they dominated and dominated and played fairly well, and, and haven't really tested a goalkeeper as much as they should have done. Um, but just on the balance of the game, I was speaking to Danny Higginbottom earlier, the 
pundit at, at Sky and I know some ex Old Trafford connections there and, and everything else. But to be fair to Danny, he's he, he's one of the, he seems to be one of the most hard working pundits on the circuit. He always phones before games, he always chats over for about half an hour, you know, what's going on in previous matches, what you know, what's coming, team news, the structure of the team and, and everything else. And and he said really that he he felt that from about ten minutes onwards it, it got into the crowd and got into Derby Derby's players and, and also Lampard that that it was happening again against Leeds that Leeds had already go, done them yeah. twice and actually the the balance of the game seemed to be going going that that way as well and I, I don't think I mean look if Lampard's coming out afterwards and saying we we didn't play well today and and we we essentially deserve to lose then you know you know that they did um, because managers managers don't tend to draw criticism to themselves like that without you know unless they think that to to do otherwise would lack credibility yeah and obviously we haven't talked about the penalty decision yet but they very nearly got something didn't they if, mm-hmm. if, if they'd have converted that which would have been pretty unjust and I'm sure leaving a, a sour taste in, in Bielsa's mouth obviously I'm sure we'll talk about it in detail in a minute but I just don't think they offered enough at all given you, you're the home side you're supposed to be going and putting your foot sort of on the gas at home at Pride Park taking on getting the crowd behind you and just just rolled over really I think they wanted to tear into Leeds but and we've seen that from a lot of Derby teams over the mm. years from going to Pride Park that used to have a very very poor record against Derby but I don't think this Derby team have got it in, in them to do that in the same way as previous Derby teams um, and I also think the way Leeds play is, is quite good at just drawing the sting a little bit and um, and it getting getting into their own rhythm before the opposition can do anything about it um, alright let's get down to the, the nuts and bolts then only goal from Kamar Roof on 55 minutes who it's fair to say having looked pretty rusty after his knee injury and, and having taken a bit of time to, to kind of find his feet again I thought looked like roof of the first half of this season on Saturday I thought the movement was excellent I thought he was dragging Derby's defence all over the place even before he, he scored he was causing a problem um, and the goal really owes itself to wonderful cross from Jack Harrison and let's not pretend that we haven't been crit- critical of Harrison this season because I have to say I, I think in the main he's been he's been extremely disappointing for a you know a, a loanee from and a you know a club as good as Manchester City and an academy as loaded as, as their academy is but that was a that was an absolute gem yeah Take absolutely out five defenders just peach. everything that you wanted from him and more wasn't it I think to to be fair we me, well I, I don't know about you but in in particular I was worried about that left hand side of Leeds for Harry Wilson to attack. I actually thought Jack Harrison and, and Stuart Dallas combined really well, and it's probably both of their best games of the season. Dallas comfortably, mm. I thought, yeah, very good. And funnily enough, I, I think Dallas played so well that they won't have Alioski fit and they won't have Douglas fit um, for Wednesday night, but he played so well that I don't think Bielsa would be minded to take him out of that slot after that game. Yeah, well, we know his loyalty, don't we? So. Yeah, yeah. Um, good finish from, from Roof as well. Might have had a second just after. Um, good save from, from Roos down to his left and Roof got, got free on the edge of the box. And I think that those are the moments you kind of think about. If it starts to get tense or if Derby score first tomorrow, if it if, if it ends up being an extremely tight game, those will probably be the moments you'll look back and think, you know, just a, a foot here or there, either side of the keeper and um, and they'd have come away with a, a wider scoreline. And I think at 2-0, you would struggle to see Derby getting back into this. You'd struggle to okay. see Derby coming and scoring three unanswered goals or or out outscoring Leeds in that manner at Ellen Road, but at one 0 it's still wide open. No, oh, yeah, absolutely. And but if we think about 
how the first 20 minutes is probably going to be tomorrow night. Derby are going to have to weather that storm, aren't they, when they come straight out of the tunnel. I think regardless of how the game goes, they're going to, unless they can somehow score sort of early on, I think that first 20 minutes is going to be crucial for them if they want to if they want to go, if they want to get through to the playoff final, they're going to have to weather that sort of initial storm that we've seen at Ellen Road. And like I say it's going to be some atmosphere, isn't it? We saw obviously in the past. I think people were talking about the the Becchio goal against Millwall being the loudest. Could well be matched if not if not beaten tomorrow night if Leeds do score early on. But I always talk about um, what Dougie Friedman said about the the playoff semi final against Car- um, Carlisle in two thousand and eight. Played at Ellen Road first and lost two one that night. But the noise to begin with was what you'd expect, you know, mm. at the start of a game like that. And he said that he and Beckford were basically having to use rudimentary sign language to communicate with each other because they just couldn't hear each other speak and they couldn't they couldn't shout to each other because you weren't picking it up. Um, and he said in, in actual fact it was it was it was tough to play and not because the atmosphere it was a problem to be in the atmosphere it was tough to play in because it was it was really difficult to 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 kind of keep the thread with other players of who should be where who should be doing what um and then obviously that died down quickly when Carlisle scored twice <laughs> as as uh, as happened and a very actually very very good playoff semi final that was with that winner from what, from House and Carlisle that was the night one that that's right what a bloody performance that was probably you can still, still see bit. that yeah. save from from Beckford we were all saying that weren't we as he was at it at Ellen Road last month that fingertip save from Beckford it was a, it was a peach but I mean just top performances from both sides that year great semi final which which House and obviously settled in the end. The penalty then, that or the penalty that wasn't, 78 minutes gone, um, ball into the box from Wilson, Harrison and Jane Bogle both go for it, uh, both go down, Craig Pawson gives a penalty. At the time, I thought it was harsh, at the time I didn't think there was enough contact, I didn't think there was much contact there, and it looked like six of one and half a dozen of another, I thought it was very difficult to judge who had fouled who, if anybody had fouled anybody. Um, what was your first instinct? I actually thought initially penalty, that just because of where we were sat and the way that his um, foot comes from behind, I thought he's caught his leg by accident and then the re- that, the referee's got it right. So fair news to the linesman who was twenty yards in front of us to the right who called it. But on replay, I mean, it just shows the the difficulty of the call, doesn't it? From mm. from the ref, um, obviously, thankfully, he got it right in the end because of his linesman but like I say I actually initially thought it was a penalty because I think he'd just been caught on the blind side but looking back there's actually no to any contact is there so I actually think it's just a goal it's a corner there's a, the, there's a, a little touch from Harrison's leg on um, Bogle's leg but also and I think this is what the linesman flagged up there is a, a slight push mm. from Bogle in the back of Harrison and you could almost argue that neither seems to constitute a particularly obvious foul um, the the linesman was was Eddie Smart and and personally I would having looked at the replay I didn't think it was a penalty I thought it was the right decision but it's really really rare to see a linesman step in like that and it has to be said for anyone who doesn't really know the layout of Pride Park the linesman was pinned between the main stand and the end that you would consider to be the most vociferous mm, at Pride Park yeah. if either deserves that description but you know he was right in the thick of it and it was it was a very very brave call and. We spoke to, I asked Cooper about it yesterday, Liam Cooper, and said, you know, what did you think of it? And it was quite interesting, really. He said, because these are select group officials now for these games, Craig Pawson mostly officiates in the Premier League, and Anthony Taylor, who's got the game on Wednesday, is the same. Um, and normally we have the, the national group referees at, at championship level. And Cooper said, I don't think a championship referee would have gone and spoken to his linesman about that. I don't think he would have taken direction 
from his linesman in that way. And perhaps with a championship referee, a, a, the linesman who was with him wouldn't have wouldn't have been as bold or as willing to take that that sort of call. But it was a crucial decision. It was a very brave, brave call, and Frank yeah. was not happy afterwards. Really, was he? Human VAR, whatever he was on about. Um, it was a brave call, like you say. He was at the probably the most raucous end of Pride Park, wasn't he? Right in the thick of it. We'd already seen some Leeds fans get chucked out in the hospitality section yeah. for celebrating Roof's goal behind us. Um, yeah, we all have money on that. But one. like you say, fa- fair dues, and I think there probably is a little bit in that what Cooper said yesterday about the championship. With the standard of refereeing that we've seen this year hasn't sort of met um, everyone's expectations if we're putting it nicely so but maybe potentially there is something in it but like you say it's very very rare that you see that happen obviously Lampard saying the referee's played second fiddle to his linesman's just rubbish isn't it because that's the whole point of them being there is to help them make decisions well the clue's in the name assistant, well, yeah, assistant. assistant referee so, um, he, if Lampard basically said it, it's the equivalent of human VAR in that you know, you've you're basically you've got an incident on review, but rather than using a, a computer television screen, you're, you're relying on the assistant referee. That and also he made the point, and that you know, this this is certainly true of VAR. He said that VAR is supposed to be clear and obvious fouls, although VAR is is in such a massive grey area over that and various mm. other incidents that nobody is still quite sure where they where they stand. But it it seemed to me that the right decision was taken, although. As I say, I, th- I think that is up for debate. There are obviously people who think it was a penalty and there were plenty of them tweeting me abuse on, on well, Twitter on, on Saturday night. But it, if, if he gets the call right in real time with a really, really difficult... He had a clear view of it, but really, really quick um, and hard-to-read collision, then surely surely that's good, given a good thing, given how much criticism there generally is of referees over the course of individual seasons. Yeah, but the, this is the this is going to be the problem that VAR poses. Obviously, another official is going to get that reference, maybe, and then they're going to make a decision. It's still going to split the opinion, isn't it? Like it, it has now, because I think either way, if if the ref had stayed with his decision, I don't think anyone would have particularly batted an eyelid. Apart from Leeds, would have obviously complained a lot, and obviously in the way it has, Derby have ended up complaining a lot because of the decision. So it, I, I don't know. I don't think if the if the linesman had just stood there and said, "Yeah, it's a penalty," I don't think anyone would have particularly made as much a fuss about it, would they? As as has been made, but like I say, I still think it's just Lampard deflecting away from his shortcomings. I see the merit of VAR, but I I find aspects of it. Well, uh, we've seen it already. Infuriating, really. Like, and was it the Champions League? Which which game was it? Was it Man U PSG was, when they got a really dodgy penalty? Penalty at the, the end. Ball? Yeah. And it's like, where do you start drawing the line on that? So I still think there's lots of things. I mean, and like, if Leeds go up, we're going to have VAR in the road next year, aren't we? So I've never been in a stadium before where it's been in use, so I'm not sure how the dynamic works. But obviously on telly, it's much easier because you get to see the replays. But everyone sort of seems that it just pauses for like 20, 30 seconds mm. and everyone's just like, well, what's actually going on? <laughs> Tension, excitement. I mean, the other thing I find tiresome, and we were chatting about this in the car home, is the habit now of... Of every single incident of potentially <laughs> violent conduct getting scrutinised after the game, I mean, after and they were all dealt with. So in the end, there was nothing for the FA to look to look at. But on Saturday, you had Cleek kind of headbutting the, the midriff of um Tamori. You had Huddleston going in with an elbow on Stuart Dallas. He got a yellow card for Cleek got a booking. You had Tamori with a kind of two footed challenge on um on Jamie Shackleton, which I thought should have been 
a, probably a yellow card, but I certainly think he should have got more than a talking to by Craig Pawson. But Pawson did see it and Pawson spoke to him. So as are the rules, the FA aren't entitled to take any, any further action. But it's kind of felt over the last month. And I was saying that back in the 80s and 90s, and you know, without sounding like, um, sound like 100 years old, People yeah, just used to let this stuff go. People just used to crack on and and you know get on with it. And I'm not saying that that should that that violent conduct should be um, tolerated. But how many incidents have we had in the last month where on the Monday morning you're thinking, right, are the FA going to look into this? Are they going to cite anybody? Are they going to yeah. do anything about it? Because um, we had Bamford, there was the Hurahan incident as well, um, which which obviously went. Um, went his way Tom Lawrence was looked at for diving um, before the, the first leg of the semi-final but got away with that the panel didn't think that it constituted diving it's almost like a weekly occurrence every time every time the game finishes you, you get tweeted a bundle of short videos saying look at this look at this look at this look at this <laughs> it's just it's kind of Greenish yeah, as well overwhelming weekend. Didn't that, that got referred to a three-man panel didn't it, it did but he got away with yeah, it yeah no, it's just it, like you say it's it's remarkable the amount that people look in detail I actually thought the the click decision was right I think based on like you're talking about intent but you're talking about the power of it it was it was stupid though but, of him it was, it during, was really oh no absolutely 100% yeah. idiotic stupid things we Game even made the referee make yeah. the decision um but I mean, now, because of obviously Bielsa's wisdom, always go back to what he said about the Bamford incident. And I kind of look at that and think, the Tamori one, if Shackleton jumps three foot up in the air and rolls around, like we we would see a lot of footballers do, the referee would have to make more of a decision on that one. And it's it, almost like, because there's no contact, like, you know, like, like Bielsa was talking about, how can you judge the sort of ferociousness of a punch and like how can you do it the intent is there the intent is there so it's all very vague and, and up in the air isn't it all this stuff the, the Tamori one's slightly different because if you if you jumped up went down and rolled around and then replays show that there was no contact then you would get cited for simulation then, wouldn't you um but to use to to look at the Grealish and the Lawrence um diving allegations which I think are really interesting as far as I can tell, th- there's no doubt to look at Lawrence's that um, Kyle Bartley, the game against West Brom, does touch his foot. If you see, there's one angle where you can see that Bartley nudges Lawrence's foot and it's marginal and it's slight, but there is a touch there, so Lawrence goes down. And with Grealish, there is contact. If you look at the way he goes down, it seems as if he drags his studs along the grass to make sure as if he's going to hit hit somebody's leg. But the leg is there, he hits it and it goes down. Which leads you to the conclusion that if there is contact... Chuck yourself on the floor. The FA won't touch you. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, And that's the precedent they're setting. As Bielsa said, nobody can judge with hindsight whether or not those touches are enough to take somebody down. We can all sit and say, like we did, it didn't look like Lawrence needed to go down there. It didn't look like Grealish... Needed to go down there, but that doesn't seem to come into the equation if there is some element of of contact, which that's is obviously I mean, where Bamford came across. That's what I mean about Shackleton, though. If he'd have, he because he can clearly see Tamori coming. If he just stuck his foot in the way of his legs coming and then just rolled around, like you say, he's obviously exaggerating the contact and he's potentially getting him sent off. But again, I think it's the same. Thing, again, the it? the issue with the Tamori tackle is that if you if you tried to stick your leg in that, it would potentially have got broken. Um, I mean, it was a really, really bad challenge. Was, that yeah, one. I still don't yeah, understand how he didn't even get it. I, I think that a, bit, a good example is probably Casilla 
and his foul on um Quana down at Ipswich where there was no contact but he's he's basically thrown himself at Quana. So Quana has quite reasonably jumped over him and, and gone to ground. And you cannot fly towards somebody like that and expect them to just stand there until they get hit. That that's a slightly different different scenario. But, but um but not, do, you, do you not think that that's the same as if Shackleton jumped over and rolled around though? It would it would be the same if Shackleton jumped over, went to ground but then got up if he hasn't been hit. If Quana, I can't remember what Quana did whether Quana was rolling around. If there's no contact, there's no contact. It should have been a, it yeah, should have been a, a card for Tomori. I think it I should have been. But like, Casilla got booked even though he like launched himself over it. But because he hit the deck, but there is Shackleton just jumped over it and carried on running. Therefore, it's no like. Oh, did him booked. did him a, a very it's big favour. It's just it's all very vague. And you also <laughs> have the issue of a goalkeeper ten yards outside. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. Yeah. But Kassir I think it just goes to show that doesn't it? How kind of how strange it all is and how, how unclear it all is I, I thought Tomori should have got a yellow card for that at, at least and I'm not sure because there was no contact that leads into that odd um, position of really can you get a red card when you've not connected with anybody but um, it was a poor poor challenge and as I say if, if Chaplin's yeah. leg had been in there it's I, the I two, think it's the two footed off, off the ground aspect it. yeah absolutely that's, that's the thing it's the you, he could have controlled himself into that tackle no problem instead yeah. he decided to launch his whole body weight off the ground <laughs> two foot but anyway it's a, it's, um, a clean slate for all of them uh, Click plays Huddleston plays Tomori plays Huddleston um, was lucky Huddleston was lucky again it was just the unnecessary and a, yeah unnecessary and a, you know elbow in the face for, for Dallas um, Kimar Roof doesn't play, and that's a big blow, really, isn't it? That we weren't expecting that at all on yeah, Monday when we went up to CPL. So Roof did the pro- post-match press on Saturday. Was full of well, I mean, actually, I was going to say was full of biz. He was he was quite <laughs> low key, really, wasn't he? He didn't didn't say too much and and kept it kept it all in the can. But he, you know, he, he seemed fine. There was no suggestion that, that there was any problem. He's got a calf injury, and you know we know what Bielsa's like. Bielsa says he's out, so he will be out. There'll be no mind games here, I don't think, unless Roof somehow comes to him tomorrow, today or tomorrow, and says, "Look, I'm I'm fit to play," but as far as we were concerned yesterday, he won't be involved. Yeah, and obviously he posted on Twitter or Instagram or whatever saying, "Good to be missing the, the game." It is a big blow because I think we've we've talked about it a lot in detail across the whole season. We think that Roof fits the system better, but. I actually think that if you have... Well, we're going to have to see Shackleton back in there, aren't we, for a start? So that maybe potentially helps Bamford mm. um, with the supporting runs. I think that might might be a, a duo, a sort of dynamic that will work into Leeds' favour tomorrow night. Because obviously Bamford, we know with his goal-scoring records, what, 10 and 24 this season, maybe not quite hit the heights that Leeds fans have hoped in terms of his overall play, but I still think that Leeds are a decent side with him in there and he's a, good, he's a great goal-scorer and... He's obviously against his former side, wants to maybe make amends for that stupid tumble he took against Villa. So I still think he's a, he's a good option there, but obviously it's a blow for Roof because he's just come back in and it's it's probably the biggest what game we've seen at Ellen Road since... 2006, really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, it is. And uh, it's the movement, really, that you lose with Roof. I always feel that when, when Bamford's in the team. But he's not the only one. Janssen is due to train today. He didn't play on Saturday, wasn't... Fit. He was there, but he was in his civvy, so you knew um, from that point that he wasn't going to be involved. He's still got an ankle knock. They were going to have a look at him today. There's a question really there anyway of whether he should should come back into the team, given how well Berardi played. And Berardi, again, like Roof, I think is, has found it hard to find to find his old form in the second half of the season after a couple of bad injuries, but um, did a great job on, on Nugent and others 
uh, on Saturday and and there is I think justification in him keeping his place regardless of whether or not Jansen is fit and, and ready to play. Well, he was keeping Jansen out the side, wasn't he, at the start of the season? And and what a decision that was, by the way, not to have an operation in November. Oh, yeah. He's he's obviously come back in. I think a lot of people thought, he, regardless of whether he was going to have an operation, that was going to be his season sort of done. But obviously he's come back in and he's played, what, five, six, sort of in part in five, six games. And he's, he's going to end up playing a very crucial role in this run. So Somebody was telling me he's never had an operation in his career. Operations are like goals for him. Really, although when you want, when you want the other, the other you don't. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. But that's kind of him all over, isn't it? And you're right. I mean, when I went to speak to Rob Price a couple of months back, he was talking about Berardi, and he said, you know, most surgeons would say if you do the surgery that's needed on that hamstring, then you'd be talking, you'd be talking six months, probably mm. six to six to nine months. Mm. So it would be, it would be end of season uh, without any question, um, and. You sort of hope that Brad, he doesn't pay for that further down the line, the fact that he's done it. You hope it's all healed up nicely. But he certainly looked in great nick on, on Saturday. And his reading of the game and um, his, his passing and everything else was, was really good. Under very little pressure, it has to be said. I mean, that, you're right about Nugent. He he was giving the centre-back so much space to, mm. to play in, um, particularly in the first half. So, on that basis, what... Bielsa isn't going to do anything different. We'd expect Shackleton to start for Forshaw, given how well he played. We'd expect Bamford to come in for Kamal Roof, straight swap up front. My money, I think, would be on Berardi keeping his place tomorrow, just given that there was evidently a bit of doubt about Janssen still on Monday. Um, and I wonder whether Bielsa might just take the, the kind of safer option with that. But it could be either, and I don't think it, it makes a huge difference to the structure of the team. So, same strategy, same uh, plan of attack for Leeds. What did Derby change? Does does Lampard think about sacrificing Wilson or Lawrence to make Derby more compact and more solid in the hope of nicking a goal and then using those players later in the game when he can potentially win it? Does he leave them in the team and go all out to get back into the game and, and win the game from the start? What 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 should he do? I think he's got to do something different. I think if he just sets up like he does, touch wood... I think that that is recipe for disaster for him, especially the way that mentally that Leeds have beaten Derby around the pitch this season. I don't know whether he'd maybe go to up front and a four four two and try and like say be compact and close out the spaces where Leeds are trying to play. But again, he obviously had that option and decided to put Nugent up front, who's not scored in twenty five games. Which again, you think probably think that's a bit of a peculiar decision, but maybe he's looking for the dynamic runs. But I mean, you've got Marriott and Bennett. His options are his options are fairly fairly slender, really, aren't they? Mm. When um when Wycon's out, and it doesn't sound like Wycon is going to be fit. Certainly, Blampard was giving the impression that, that he would. Is that not a bit of a slight be. on the ability of like Jack Marriott and and Mason Bennett? Do you not think? I think with Marriott, it's his first season in the Championship, isn't it? Um, and I always found it interesting that, that obviously he was linked heavily with Leeds last summer, and Leeds did have a look at him, but he was going to be six million quid from Peterborough, and they didn't feel, and this has been borne out, I think they didn't feel that there was anything in Marriott that they couldn't get from Kamar Roof. Uh, and and on that basis, it was not a deal a deal worth doing. And obviously, they spent the money on Bamford as well. And you know, you can debate whether or not that one's really, really worked out. But I don't think they felt as if Marriott was going to be somebody who was going to transform them from thirteenth in the table to third or or mm. higher, depending on on what they were they were aiming for. Uh, so yeah, behind that, it is your your Bennett's. It's, you know, there isn't much to go on. And and I think unless Lampard does take a completely different take, I I think it is going to be. Nugent up front again. I think it probably will 
will have to be. But given that Wilson Mount Lawrence didn't really get into Saturday's game and looked very sort of powder puff, does he have options? Does he put Huddleston in for a bit more, a bit more metal in midfield? Although he is not looking like the Tom Huddleston of old, really. Um, does he? Does he play more solid, robust players out wide to try and nullify what, what Leeds are, are going to do? I think he has to. Despite yeah, the fact they're trailing, I think he's going to have to think a little bit more defensively. Well, what's the oldest... Bradley Johnson is probably the most experienced mm. in that midfield, isn't he? And I mean, they've obviously got Andy King, who's who's out for the season, or whatever. Craig Bryson, again, who's a player that's injured as well. Yeah. A lot of experience there. But, like you say, maybe it's that experience factor that he might have to draw upon tomorrow night, because... It's going to be a tough first 20 minutes, half an hour for them tomorrow night with the atmosphere. They're going to have to use the ball mm. really well and try and, and like you say, Nugent's going to have to do something to try and hold the ball up, win free kicks, try and take the sting out of the game early on. And then that's probably the way into the tie for them, isn't it? Um, but it'll be interesting because, I mean, we I, I don't know about you, but I was sort of thinking he might try something different on the weekend. But again, he just sort of stuck to the same principle. And you're thinking now after three three games against Leeds, it's clearly not worked. Leeds clearly have their number on the pitch and maybe in between the ears. You're going to have to try something because your season's on the line, surely. I don't I, think he will, though. That's no, I, su- I suspect he might not. I, I think, though, both Cooper and Bielsa said we'll play to win and we'll you know, we'll, we'll attack from the start, we'll commit men forward. And I think they'll be thinking privately. If they score first, if they get 2-0 up, get then the they, crowd they've got it. this. Yeah. Get them up and, I mean, the crowd yeah. are going to be wild, aren't they? I was chatting to Dan Moylan from the square ball um, a little bit earlier and, and he was sort of saying, you know, bear pit, bear pit tomorrow night. And um, it's it's going to be... It's going, going into be. the lion's den, essentially. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I mean, it, 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 it was in the playoffs against Millwall and Carlisle in League One. I mean, we always talk about the, the Becchio goal against Millwall, the noise during that. But I think it'll be I think it'll be heightened the game because this is this is it in terms of the the prize you're going for in the EFL, isn't it? It's been like a oh, a fifteen year internment um outside the Premier League and it finally it's it's right there. It's right there as well in a way where and at a point where you don't feel as if any of the other sides in the playoffs are either better or significantly better than Leeds. It does feel like it's there for the taking. Uh, I think the crowd can sense that. I think it I think it'll be sensational tomorrow night. Yeah, I think it'll be, it's gonna it's got the recipe to be uh, one of the best nights in recent memory, hasn't it? In terms of atmosphere and and what could potentially happen. I also do think though there is an element that we've seen that work against Leeds this season as well. So I think they need to be wary of that too. Obviously, Bradley Johnson's been talking about trying to get the crowd to turn, and it wouldn't be unfair to say that that's not a particular statement that maybe that Derby should be trying to do because if they do get on top early on, they could take this thing out of the game. I just think that. Leeds are going to have too much for them though, and I think crowd, crowd have been good this season. Though I think I think there's so much faith in Bielsa's football. Oh, there's enough faith that that it it hasn't been like that. And don't get me wrong, this is a completely diff- different scenario, and this is the type of night where people can lose their nerve very easily and and very quickly um, on and off the pitch. But I think. I think that will hold together tomorrow. I think it will be a case. No, of, I think it'll hold. But I'm just saying there is an element. Of yeah, that no, no, without past, without yeah. any doubt, I think it will be a case of the best team wins, and and my gut feeling is that the best of these two teams, and and I base this on the three games, is Leeds. And also that stat we were looking at earlier. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What was that? So if 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 you've won away from home in the first leg the in play, the championship sing- playoff or the every, second tier, every, every single team, team has gone through to the a, final. Seventeen out of seventeen. And if you've been top two at Christmas, uh, 
all the, top at Christmas. The muckers on it all. Every single top <laughs> has been automatically promoted, apart from one. Um, yes. Uh, so anyway, we'll um, we'll part that one and uh, and and quietly move on. Um, the and it's another semi final going on. Obviously, West Brom and Villa. Um, that was at Villa Park Saturday lunchtime. Two one win for Villa came back from a, a goal down, but I think most significantly of all, Dwight Gale sent off towards the the very end. Um, two two game ban for him, which he can't appeal, can't overturn. So he misses the second leg and this and the final if West Brom West Brom go through. Um, Baggies are in trouble there, aren't they? I know they've got home advantage in the second leg, but they that that makes it extremely difficult. I think they are, but it might be closer than than maybe people think. I don't think I still think Villa will go through. I think they have too much quality, and I think they could pick them off on the break. And they're going to need a serious shift from Jay Rodriguez, aren't they, up front? But I think maybe, you know, the only chance you see again is like an early goal and then getting the crowd into it. Yeah. But I think Villa will come through that. Yeah, that was my gut feeling as well. I think um, I think the odds say Villa leads final at, at Wembley. Leads are 9-1 to one on to go through, which is um, pretty really? incredible when you consider that they're 1-0 up at, at after after ninety minutes, it's just but it's the factor, isn't it? it's the Eleanor factor. It's the balance of the games as well, isn't it? I think <laughs> seven one. I think they like us will be wondering what it is that Derby and Lampard are going to do. Somewhere, I think it was Opta earlier that Derby have had twenty six shots on goal this season, six on target, and scored once against Leeds in the three games. And that from a free kick, Tom Lawrence, which some people thought Peacock Farrell should have saved. Quite honestly, I thought it was quite a good hit. But yeah, no, we had that fight in the first half of the season. So so onwards. Well, listen, that's it from us um, this week. We'll be there tomorrow night with the usual coverage and everything else. Um, take some Valium. Stroke whiskey, whatever it is that that will get you through. We're going to be very happy or very sad. Yeah, we 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 might we might roll up with a podcast on Thursday, I think, because um, one way or the other, we'll we'll need to reflect on on Wednesday night. Then again, we say that a lot, and we don't reappear for another week, so it might end up being next next week. But one way or another, we'll be back um, very soon. Enjoy tomorrow if you can. Um, Make the most of it because, as I know, after. 12 years in this job these nights do not come around very often my first and don't, full season don't, I know I know I'm Jonah you're the um, <laughs> yeah you're the magic wand uh, but yeah um, we'll see you next time and thanks ever so much for listening